Hey guys, here we are for part three. I'm going to take a minute here to talk about this workshop. So you have purchased a workshop, so we need to be sure that we are working the topics, the things that are coming up that have been talked about in previous portions of the workshop and in the book. They're actually working them. Now, I do believe that most of the people who have landed here, have landed in this workshop, that they're willing to do the work. They're willing to be committed to it. They're willing to consistently show up to it. I do think that there might be a few people who find this work and the concepts are such an expander for them. In other words, it's so far from what they've known or what they've thought could be that it's just almost kind of a, oh, I'm not so sure. So they don't really dig in. They don't dive in. They're not willing to sit with it. But I really invite you to be willing to and to trust that place of, I've been led here for a reason and I don't really understand it. And some of these things I don't really get, but I'm going to be willing to do it because I care enough about my own life experience and that of my children. Because the people that benefit the most from this kind of work is your family and yourself. And it's so easy to make statements, especially during something like divorce, that we should stay married for the kids. We should divorce for the kids. We should do this for the kids. But really how you're showing up in your own emotional stability and emotional intelligence and inner work is going to bring them something that is so valuable. It is going to provide an atmosphere for them that is safe. Because when you really learn how to be safe within your own emotions and how to be honest with yourself and how to navigate that, then that's something that even if you never say anything, you're going to naturally pass to your children. They will absorb it. They will notice a change in you. They will notice a change in the interactions because that's what's going to happen. As you do this inner work, even the way that you experience emotional moments with your children is probably going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a little bit healthier. It's going to be even more nurturing, even more connected. And that really is what makes great adults. It's easy to look at something and say, I really want to set my kid up for success. I want, you know, I care so much about my kid. I don't know anyone that has kids that their kids are not part of their heart truly. And it's easy to say, well, let's set up a college fund. Let's do all we can. But what are you doing on the daily when it comes to emotional stability, emotional intelligence? And are you doing your part? Because your part is the main part of who you are and how you show up for your kids. So I really hope that you're working the elements of this workshop. And if you're not, that's okay. No shame, no guilt. Just take a deep breath and recommit. You know, say to yourself, I really do want to do this. I want to see myself elevate. I want to see myself grow. And I know that I can. And then just make a statement of being thankful. I'm really glad I found this workshop. I'm glad that I, I've got some new ideas to work with. And I look forward to working with them. Kind of talk to yourself like that. And you'll see that when you're willing to talk to yourself like that, you are going to be more willing to actually do it. So we're going to get into this concept in chapter three. We're going to work this concept of life happening for you. Now, there's this concept of personal power. And you will, maybe you've heard it, maybe you've seen it written, and maybe you haven't really known what it is. Um, I know several years ago, I just kind of glazed over it. I was like, oh, personal power. Yeah, okay, great. I didn't really understand because I really was only a, I wasn't operating within knowing really who I was in the different layers of myself. And so I could only understand to the degree that I could understand. So what an example of personal power is really being so secure in who you are and in your decisions and trusting yourself, trusting what you feel to be genuinely true and right, not in the moments that are so emotionally charged, you can't see straight. <laughs> 
in the moments when you're willing to take a deep breath. It's the difference in responding and reacting. When you respond, you really are tuning in to what is happening inside of you and you're moving from that place versus when you react, it's a subconscious program. Usually it's coming from what we've always known, what we've always known, um, and those really emotionally intense moments. And so being in your personal power means you realize that you are responsible for you. You're not really responsible for how your former partner does or handles things. And what you can be responsible for and you can take responsibility for is your reaction to them, your response to them. And again, we're going to pay attention to the place we're responding from. If I'm full of anger, let's maybe not respond right now. And if they need a response right that moment, it's, you know what, I have a lot of emotions right now. I'm going to get back to you on this when I'm a bit more neutral. That's staying in your personal power. That is this declaration that I have an awareness of where I'm at emotionally, but I also respect you enough to communicate with you. And if the other partner just goes, I need to know right now, did I just say, um, I understand, but I've let you know where I'm at. You know, it's not about talking down to them. It's not about being in anger with them. It's just about a simple statement of where you're at. The personal power is also in the way that we see things. So when I see the world as though it's happening to me, life circumstances happen to me, this happened to me, they did this to me, she did this to me, my boss did this to me, all of these things, especially in the context of divorce, um, we really give away our power. At that point, we become a victim. And we don't even know it most of the time until someone kind of, whether it's a therapist or a friend, points it out. And I am not saying that the experience that you had was not painful. And I'm not saying that the pain was not a result of perhaps the actions of another human. So it's not about discounting the pain. It's just about going a little step further and realizing that you don't, the intrinsic need to blame, that you have the power to release that. Because I'm going to even though this person did this, I'm going to choose that really they were doing the best they could with what they knew. You know, whether it was their, they weren't thinking straight, whether it was a very stressful time. And one thing to know about stress is it can actually shut down uh, the part of our brain that's connected to emotions, right? And so having this almost, it's not an excuse, it's an awareness. And there's a big difference there. An excuse is not you know, it's a fine line, I think, for some people, but it's really not. It's really what happens inside of you um, as you really choose to shift that perception. And when you shift the perception where you don't really have to have blame and, and anger with those around you, you're in your personal power because you've decided how you're going to look at it. You are no longer the victim. You are in charge of how you feel. You are in your personal power. You are in charge of you and how you're going to move through this in your life. One of the things that I really encourage people to do is develop a new, to develop a neutrality around the idea that you're divorced. Like it just is. It's part of life. It's something that happened. I don't even really have to. Yeah. I mean, it actually, it made me a way better person. It catapulted me in a way of personal growth that I don't think I've ever really experienced in my life. And for you to really gain that neutrality really comes with this invitation to be open-minded and open-hearted to the idea that life happens for us, not to us. Have you ever heard that before? Life happens for you, not to you. And when you felt for so many years that life happens to you, that can be one of these things that 
makes you scoff and go, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She just doesn't know what I've been through. She doesn't know the details, et cetera, et cetera. And then for some people, it's going to be the statement of, oh my gosh, I could be- I could change the idea and I could start to see the world as though things happen for me. Hmm. If I begin to see things around me that I experience in life as though things happen for me, then I'm going to actually be a lot more at peace and a lot more okay. And I'm not going to be really in a lot of anger or resentment because I'm not really upset about the things that happen, right? Because it's this concept for us that sometimes sometimes this concept can really, as I said in the book, can really only be seen in retrospect. So right now, if you think about something that you experienced maybe a few years ago, um, or, or something that you just wanted so badly in your life, and it really didn't pan out like you wanted. And then two or three years after that, you look back and you're like, thank God that didn't work out. <laughs> right? Maybe it's somebody you dated and maybe it was just something you wanted. Um, and then you're like, oh, so glad that didn't work out. So when you can see that things really have occurred in your life, this is a really good tip for your brain. So the way that brain the brain works is it looks for evidence. So you know that this is true. There's things that can happen in your life that although you want or don't want, it really has a positive effect on the other side. So the real question here is if this is a hard idea for you to just be like, oh yeah, yeah, I get that. Okay. That's a different way of seeing it. If you find that it's kind of hard for you to just naturally accept that as an option, then I want you to play with that idea. Just kind of like play with it. You know, and I always tell everyone, these concepts that we introduce, they're all going to support you if you can really take them into who you are and work them. Some of them, you're not going to be able to take all of them. Some people aren't going to be able to do all of them at once, or they'll come in increments, or they'll come in stages or in seasons, Um, especially if you're doing it solo versus with a coach or with a mentor or someone like that, like kind of a partner to really help you stay on track, help you move through it be there for you. It's going to be, it can be a little bit different. You can, you know, might need to do not as many at a time, not as many of these concepts that are in this book at at the same time. There we go. I got it out. (laughs) But playing with the concept of life happening to you. It's such a fun way of moving through life, right? And also when life happens for us, we get this deep down peace that kind of that kind of begins to come in, right? Um, and that's that that being in your personal power. It's you're making these decisions now from you're not really not moving from fear anymore. I'm not scared that this is going to happen. I'm not fearful that this is going to happen. And when you decide that the fear gets to be dissolved, maybe through other perceptions that you've kind of worked, like life happening for you, not to you, then you can really know what you really, truly, genuinely would like if other elements are neutral. And that can really support you in this process of divorce. Now, let's go a little bit a step further and say, what about this concept of life happening for us, not to us when it comes to kids? So as you develop If you choose to develop this concept that life happens for you, then you develop more personal power and you begin to trust that you really can know the right thing for yourself. And if you've never really developed self-trust, there are 
several tips that I have for that. Um, I will try my best to add that to the free resources section, but you can also reach out to me. Um, but developing personal trust is something that a lot of adults weren't necessarily taught as kids. We were always taught to listen to the teacher, listen to our friends, ask somebody for advice. We very rarely were really taught to trust ourselves. And when it comes to kids, like when you move into this place of, I trust myself, I trust that I'm not, you know, making this request or making this statement from, from fear. I'm really making it from this place of I've moved into trust. When it comes to kids, you can really see it the same way. If you can trust that your life unfolds for you, then you can trust that their life is unfolding for them in the way that they need it to. Maybe we can't see all of the moving parts right now. Maybe we can't see how it's going to play out, but just maybe you are their parent and the other parent is the parent because the things that they would experience growing up with you as parents, whether it's crazy divorce, whether it's peaceful, whether it's marriage, whether it's not, it is the things they need to experience for their own soul development, for things they're going to do in life, for their own way of developing how they can see the world. And again, when you do this, it helps you drop a lot of the fear. Now, I do want to be really clear that I'm not giving a free pass to not considering the emotional intelligence and emotional stability of children involved at all. This is your, when I say you trust yourself, you're doing this with an elevated awareness. You're doing this because you've done the inner work, okay? So this is not a free pass. <laughs> Please know that. Um, also, when it comes to life happening for you, not to you, if, you know, I am not excusing everything that everyone's, anything every, anyone's ever done to you. Please know that. Um, this is simply a perception that really helps people maintain their personal power. And all of my clients, none of them have been in a place where, truly the best fit for them was a trauma therapist. If, if we do a consultation and the best fit for you is a trauma therapist, and that is going to be exactly what I encourage you to explore, it will not be um, things because I, there's things that can be triggering and that's not, that's not the goal here. So with that, let's kind of get back here to the kids situation. I also really encourage you this. I encourage and I challenge everyone who has kids that go, that, that the parents go through a divorce I challenge you right now to decide that your kids are loved, to decide that your kids are seen, that they are valued, they are supported no matter what, that they get an even better experience of life. What I never, ever encourage anyone to do is to begin to take on the perception. And a lot of people naturally have this perception, but you don't want to water it. You really, if there's no other perception you work on changing, this was a huge one. If you see your kids as like, man, poor them. They have two homes now, and now they go back and forth, and now they don't have mom, mom all the time and, and dad all the time and things like this. If that's your perception, that is not going to be your highest choice. Um, it is a perception that I would encourage you to consider if it's truly helpful. And if it's not, maybe what is something that really is more nurturing and more helpful to what you want to what you want to offer your kids in terms of emotional support and stability and emotional intelligence developing through this process. You know, and it's also not in this denial phase of they're just gonna be fine. They're gonna be fine. They're gonna be fine. It's not about denial. It takes an awareness. It takes a personal power to observe where they're at, to honor where they're at, to engage in conversation, 
and to, you know, there's so much I can say here. I'm going to try to keep this really limited back to the book. <laughs> um, I'm going to have a whole section on kids and um, really consciously parenting and conversations and different things in the full-blown course. But for the workshop's sake, we're going to try to kind of narrow it in here. Um, but really think about how you're seeing your kid in the divorce and then maybe really use that power of decision that we talked about early on and decide how you're going to see them. Instead of instead of it being a reflex or coming from a subconscious place, let it be like, no, I'm going to really work on seeing them as um, as strong as strong children and I'm going to work on seeing them as genuinely loved by two parents or, or however many parents are involved and you don't have to get into super detailed about it with yourself because you don't want to get to a place where you're trying to convince yourself of so many things that none of them are really the, you want to be a fire hydrant not a sprinkler when it comes to how you are maneuvering yourself through this with the beliefs and when you try to sometimes like especially with the kids when you have this big long laundry list um, you're kind of missing out on just really the core foundational pieces there. Okay. So again, always see that your kids are going to have the best opportunities and the most beautiful life, no matter what the station or situation of their parents in terms of, of, um, of divorce or marriage. Okay. So moving on through this entire portion of life happening, for you. Okay. Life happening for you. Life happens for us. Um, I mention in this section that one way to really move through letting go of opinions is to really pay attention to our language. Sometimes the negative stories we tell, whether it's about our kids, about our former spouse, we don't even recognize some of the things we say or some of the phrases that we use frequently, right? So it's good for us to pay attention to what stories we're telling. Just like I was saying, pay attention to what story you have kind of happening in your heart and in your head when it comes to your children and the fact that they are now a child of a divorced home. So one of the things with that with language that I want to say is that language is really powerful. This is something that has been well studied at this point. If that is an interest of yours, please, I encourage you to go look it up, get all the science, all the data. Do not take my word for it. But for now, this is just know it's true. <laughs> language is incredibly powerful. And in the book, I really talk about how I don't usually use the word divorce. I usually use the word transition. My relationship transitioned. It ended. We dissolved it. Um, another phrase that I don't use because it doesn't work for me is the word broken home. I do not use the word broken home. I use... Um, I use the word two homes. I never say broken home. They have two homes. They don't have a broken home. Um, and that's because I understand the power of language. And when I say broken home, it naturally comes with this downtrodden, sad, woe is me, right? You can kind of feel it like a broken home. Like it just, you feel it versus two homes is a very neutral. Um, it's a very, it's of a higher frequency of a higher vibration. So I choose my language because I've, done the research and I want things to line up in my life and I realize that simply by watching my language I can support my children I can support the way that I see things the way I feel about things the way I believe in things okay language is really powerful and along this line you know I always encourage my clients to have to really not just pay attention to what stories they're telling. And this can come in, obviously, this is going to come in when it comes to stories about your former partner as well. Um, you don't just want to, or I encourage my clients to 
pick a decom channel list. You know, decom meaning divorce communication channel. <laughs> Those are the people that you are gonna you're cool with talking details with. Maybe not every single detail about every single thing, but. Those are the people where you're not bottling everything up, but you're also not repeating it three, four, five, six times. Because again, what we've learned from power of language, what we see from what we talk about and all of those things affect how we feel and what we, how we feel matters. If you take all these elements into play, then it's going to, again, support me and benefit me through this process to not be on repeat, to not you know, tell my victim story in most cases, most cases, that's kind of the, the deal, um, 12 different times. So pick the, pick the couple of people, a coach, a mentor, a therapist, um, a, one friend, maybe two, I mean, absolutely max three people and let that be your decom channel. And then other than that, if it's your employees, your friends, your acquaintances, you know, have some general statements handy, develop your words, develop your general statements, um, we're moving through it. Yeah, it's getting there. It's getting there. That's that's one that's very neutral. You know, you're not bashing anyone. You're not adding a lot of emotion in it. You're just letting it be. And if they press for details, you can always say, you know, I just don't really want to talk about it right now. That is within your right. Because again, here you are paying attention to how you feel. And so once you start really getting into details, again, it, you're talking a much strong emotion that usually isn't all that positive. Um, as you're moving through it. So being aware of the power of your language, of the phrases you're using, being aware of how you really have decided that you're going to perceive um, perceive your children and being aware of what stories you're telling and the phrases you're using when it comes to those that you're sharing about the divorce with can all support you. And, you know, it's very normal to just rattle off information to people when they ask. And maybe we have four or five friends that are checking on us and we just tell them all the details. And I want to say that that is a very normal thing to do. So if that's what you've done, like that's fine. Don't beat yourself off over it. But I believe that if you found this book, if you found this workshop, then you really do believe there's a better and higher way. And we're here to do it differently. Again, we're here to revolutionize that relationship and the way that we do things and to set a higher standard and not a standard from being fake, but a standard from our desire to do it differently. We have a genuine desire to see it done in a healthy way because that's really what's best for, that sets me up for the, the my best self as well as my kids and anyone else involved. And when we repeat our stories, I put this analogy in the book and it's so good. When we repeat our victim stories, a lot of times, guys, it can be like adding rocks to a backpack that you're wearing while you're trying to swim. It just slows you down. It slows down the inner healing a lot of times. It slows down the process. It kind of sidetracks you a little bit. And um, the other thing that I want to be really clear about is this is not about suppressing our feelings or just pretending everything's happy-go-lucky even when it's not. It's actually about the fact that we're cultivating an awareness of what we're thinking and how we're feeling. And then we're aware, so we're choosing which direction we're heading. Oh, I just started, I heard myself mid-story telling, saying, repeating that story I wasn't going to say, oh, okay, I can wind this down. And then you conclude it. You conclude it and you know what? You tell yourself, well, I'm going to do better next time. I'm not going to bash myself. I'm not going to go into you know, this big, long, drawn-out situation in my own head. 
I'm going to observe and I'm going to shift. And one of my favorite quotes is by um, the late Robert Tennyson Stevens, also known as Bob Stevens. Um, conscious language breeds conscious thoughts. So when we become aware of our words and our language, that's usually very, very helpful for people to begin to be aware of their thoughts. Because for most people, it's easier to recognize and to hear themselves linguistically. When, they say, when they're saying something, they hear that verbal aspect, and they're like, oh, yeah, more so than actually observing your thoughts. So conscious language and being aware of your language is a really great place to start um, when, kind of, when navigating something like this. So again, um, coming back to navigating the divorce in a really healthy way and cultivating your own inner peace throughout this process. So in the book, I give some statements of redirection for different um, scenarios. I'm not going to get into those here, but what I want to point out is when your mind does that thing, like I just kind of gave an example of it, like, oh yeah, I heard myself and now I'm going to, you know what? Um, I'm just going to, I'll do better next time. I like that I'm learning. That's a redirection. And so what I've done there is instead of allowing my thoughts to naturally begin to be like, crap, man, I messed up. I did that thing. I started saying that I wasn't going to do that. My mind will naturally begin doing that if I don't give it another direction. So that is what I mean when I say a statement of redirection. It's a redirection for your mind. It's a focal point for where you're going. So that's why I say this statement. When I observe that I'm doing the thing that I didn't really want to be doing and that I recognize isn't helping cultivate the thing that I actually just, that I'm saying that I want. I'm saying I want to help the ear divorce. I'm saying that I want to do this with as much um, emotional intelligence as, po- intelligence as possible. I'm saying I want those things and now I've observed myself when I tell myself, okay, well, I'm going to do better next time. That's given myself a, you can see how that feels way better. And I've given myself a direction to think and that focal point for my mind. So it doesn't just begin to go down the bunny trail. Now, big thing, no shame, no guilt, just simple redirection. Dust off your feet and keep going. It's not a big deal. You know what? If you were teaching a kid to ride a bike, if you were learning to walk, if you were learning to do anything new, and if you were a a kid hitting a baseball, anything new that you're learning, you would never say ugly things to them, you know, if they messed up the first time or five. You tell them, keep going. You got this. And so you kind of got to do the same thing for yourself here. When you find yourself making the statements, Give yourself some redirection and give yourself a little encouragement. You know what? I got this. I can figure this out. And I gave some examples of statements in the book because they're very general. You want to stay really general. That way you can kind of naturally get on board with it because you getting on board with what you're saying and your belief is really going to be what creates its potency. Okay, this was a much longer section. We kind of, I'm going to recap really quick. Um, Really knowing what personal power is, maintaining your personal power watching your language, having an awareness around what stories you're telling, and really deciding um, even how you're going to see, especially kids that they're involved through this process. All of these things are going to nurture the way that you shift through divorce. 